Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the UI Breakfast podcast, and I'm your host, Jane Portman. It's episode two of the podcast, and today we have another great chat about the secrets of client onboarding. This is dedicated to our new product, Client Onboard, which helps consultants interview their clients. You're welcome to sign up for updates at clientonboard.com. Today, our guest is Matthew Lehner, a great developer who is running a very successful consulting practice and also writing a book, teaching others to master their perfect client process. Hey, Matthew. Hi. Hello, Jane. How are you? Today. I'm doing great. And you? Good, thanks. Awesome. Uh, so, Matthew, please share a little bit of your life story. How did your consulting career develop over time? And how did you end up in Hong Kong doing such high-touch consulting remotely? I've always been technical. So my first job was fixing computers. But I've, I never, I didn't, I wasn't a developer until mm, a few years ago. And I was working at a place where we hired some consultants. And they charged $120 an hour. And they were building a... A CRM for the nonprofit I was working at, and I thought that's uh, that's a pretty good rate. I think that would be better than making twenty dollars an hour, which is what I was making there. So I taught myself to program and quit my job, and had two really tough years of fighting to find clients. And then in my third year as a freelancer or consultant, I um, started paying attention to what I was doing and um, put my past experience together. Or to work for me and listen to some tips from some other pros in the field that I was kind of looking up to and managed to get my income over six figures, uh, which was really quite an achievement for, for me coming from like the two years before where I was making between like twenty and $30,000 a year, just barely scraping by. Yeah, that's a dramatic shift, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it, it really was. But it, it, it kind of, for me, it just highlighted that there's a few easy things to do. And if you, if you do them correctly, that you can work with uh, high quality clients who are, are really, really happy to pay kind of, I guess I call them premium rates, but uh, who are happy to pay for, for work and they don't. You don't have to worry about if the paycheck's going to come in on time or if you're going to run out of money or anything like that. And so then I guess about nine months ago, I moved here to Hong Kong, uh, sort of on a whim. My, my girlfriend got a job teaching here and asked if I wanted to come. And I really, I, I really like her. So <laughs> I decided, sure, yeah, I'll go. And um, one of the real benefits for me about being a freelancer uh, consultant is that I could just tell my clients, hey, I'm moving to Hong Kong. And with the time difference, it would be great if we'd have our evening or our meetings in your afternoon. And that's basically been it because I work remotely anyway. Yeah, that sounds like awesome trouble to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I hear you're writing a book and we actually had a conversation a while ago being my interview for your book, so it's nice to exchange. So how's the book going? It's going really well. Um, it's taken longer than I thought, but I, I think that it's, uh, 
got a lot of really valuable content. So the book's called The Freelancer's Field Guide. And what it is, is it's, um, it's a guide to help you if you're a freelancer that's either just starting out or want to quit your, want to quit your job. It, it's basically all of the steps that I used during my third year of running, a con, uh, running my consultancy to uh, go from the $30,000 a year mark to the $100,000 a year or six figures a year, yeah, uh, <laughs> Mark. And uh, so it, it's how to find clients, how to increase your rates, and then how to manage your cash flow are the topics it covers. Do you bring a lot of personality in your advice? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I try to kind of incorporate in real life stories from myself or that I've heard from other people. And I've done interviews with... At the, at right now, five other freelancers who are doing it successfully and have been bringing their experiences in, some of their experiences in at the right moments as well. Do you see much in common between their stories? Yeah, there's definitely like a commonality between people who are doing this successfully and, and I think people who are just really struggling from kind of project to project and um, I think I think the two two main things that I would say like the first is just to increase your rates. Uh, everyone says to do that, but it and, and it takes a lot of confidence or grit or you know to do that. It's um, because all of a sudden I personally my my first rate was twenty eight dollars an hour, and then I bumped that to sixty, and then up to one hundred and twenty, and then beyond that now. But that first jump where I went from make, being an employee to to understanding, or the jump from being an employee to understanding what it means to be a consultant where you can charge in the hundred plus dollar an hour rate range, just just even without understanding that, changing your rate means that you've kind of limited the fact that you won't be you've limited you've limited the clients that you can work with and it basically just cuts off the bottom bottom of the barrel clients who will be kind of nickeling diming you for every line item on every invoice and trying to get more for each dollar than than you can and creates a sustainable consulting business and then the the other thing is that you should always you you need to ask for referrals from anybody that you've worked with referrals and testimonials will get you a long way that's right. What you're saying about clients not only just increases your bottom line, but also makes you much happier, like bringing you to another different level of work. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so today our topic for the podcast is building trust with new clients. So could you please share some interview tips that have helped you to establish that intimate connection right away or maybe it's something that's built over time so what's your take on this for the first three years of run well i still don't really have a client facing website uh and i've been running a <laughs> consulting i've been running a successful consulting business so that means that my leads are not coming they're they're warm leads when they come to me that means that anybody that wants to work with me they have to get in touch with me or find out about me somehow other than kind of Googling or looking around. And that usually means that somebody that knows me tells them, oh yeah, I know this guy who can maybe help you with that. And, and that, 
that really is like just establishes a, a huge baseline of trust right off the bat because immediately I'm not tr having to win trust. I've got I've got somebody that the potential client already knows, and they're giving me they're giving me their credibility. They're saying, "Yeah, this guy can do that for you." So it really helps to uh, to kind of build your network, the network of people that you know, and that doesn't mean going out and networking like being a crazy sales guy in a suit work in the room at some chamber of commerce event or something like that. Uh, it just means that you're kind of either online or, or in real life, uh, meeting up with people that you like and, uh, spending time with them. And I guess just being nice to them and remembering their names. And eventually that kind of pays off. I mean, it's kind of, it takes, it takes a little bit of time and, but it, it's really the, the, the best way to, to to establish a high level of trust right off the bat. So you're saying it should be established before the interview and that's just a, a natural continuation of your relationship is getting down to work with the person. Yeah, I, I, I would say so. I mean, you can establish it if the person gets hold of you in a, in a cold way. Like I've reached out to a couple of people who have been looking for work and they didn't know who I was previous previous to but it's always been through forums or uh, avenues where uh, it's a it's a community where like the, we have a kind of shared goal already so just by be, be, me being a part of that community it, it kind of like adds a little bit of trust to the relationship right off the bat that's right but I would say that really that's that's like a good baseline to set but there's still a little bit of work to be done if, if you're going to win over anybody else that like, maybe they've been recommended to people. Um, and the first thing is just respond as quickly as possible if you get a referral. And the second is to take the focus away from what you're doing and just ask questions about what they want to do and the problem they're trying to solve. Don't, don't even talk about what you want to do. Just like try and get it as, good an understanding about their their problem or the the issue or product that they want to build and before before even making any suggestions about what you can do because this this like makes the person feel like you know what they're talking about and that you have a uh, you're you're buying into their goal if you if you um, if you're able to if you're able to kind of keep yourself out of that equation for as long as possible. And then at the last possible minute when, you know, well, not the last possible minute, but once, you, once you've really established a really clear understanding about what they want to do, what they're like as a person, like their motivations behind the project, um, that then creates, then, then you can say, well, yeah, I've got some ideas and um, discuss them then. But I'm, I'm a technical person, so I, I do development mostly. And I, for me, I try to keep the technology out of it as much as possible because the technology just muddles things down. It, it, a client doesn't care if I'm going to build, build their website in the latest, with the latest um, functional programming framework or with some old thing from 1997, as long as it works and it, it makes them money or saves them money. Uh, that's really the important thing is that I'm focusing on what it is that, like, the value that they they are seeing from 
going forward with the project and focusing on maximizing it. That's brilliant. It's it's quite simple just to focus on the person and on business goals instead of the implementation details, but it's so hard to follow it because we are naturally like being an experienced consultant meaning means having a set of solutions lying like up your sleeve and you can't wait to jump in and offer some of them and you have to just hold that back yeah, for a while. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Like the thing is, if in my in the case where you're referred, they already know that you can do whatever it is that they're talking to you about. So you don't even need to establish that that you can do that. There's already the understanding that that's why you're there to talk to them. You don't have to first prove that uh, you can design a great site or build it or write really great copy. You just have to you just have to understand the pro pro uh, the problem. That's right. One of my biggest personal discoveries was that questioning or tweaking the actual task is something that's highly valued. Meaning when a person comes to you with a problem, you're not just jumping and solving it right away, but questioning whether exactly this is the right way or the right tool or the right subject to work on. Have you, have you discovered something like that in your consulting work? Yeah, um, I think that that is a valuable thing to do. Uh, but I, I, I think it really, that, that comes kind of after you've established that trust, like that I was talking about that really understanding the problem, because if I, if I were to show up at a meeting and say, Hey, this is how you should do things. I got it all figured out. They're going to say, and then they say, well, we've got these ideas and you say, no, 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 that's the wrong way to do it. That just, that just comes off as arrogant. Whereas if you get that chance to really dig in and, and then, then you can, you can speak back to them in the language that they're using about what it is that they're trying to do. And, and you can offer really helpful suggestions about how they might do, do it a little bit differently or a little bit more effectively. Yeah. I think that's definitely a, a really good, good tool to win them over, especially if you're offering suggestions, it just shows that you can, you, you've, gotten an understanding of what it is that they're talking about and how they how they can better go about solving that that problem it it kind of creates a collaborative environment right off the bat which is great because then then your two allies that are um, striving together to solve this common problem rather than somebody who wants to engage like rather than the client wanting to engage you as a, as a person, who they are just going to pay money to to do this thing that they want them to. It becomes less of a, a client-vendor relationship and more of a collaborative thing, which I think that's really powerful. That's right. One of the helpful tips was once you're selling something, it's always about you and uh, you and your needs. But once you get to work together as a consultant, it's a great tip to be using us and we instead of you and me so that we kind of share the same goals and work towards them instead of like going back and forth with suggestions, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind so, of a, like you've got to climb this. Well, there's like a, a process of going from having no trust to having their trust. And then once you have the trust, then the us and we relationship, that's where it takes off. And that's where it really, really can be a effective technique to closing the deal or, you know, continuing the relationship or building building the strength of it. 
That's totally right. But it's also can be it can be hard to find that balance between being a shy freelancer, a mere tool, which we obviously want to avoid, and being like arrogant, like you mentioned. Mm, do you have any suggestions how to overcome that initial shyness that occurs in the conversation? How to break the ice? I'm so like I'm naturally very introverted. Uh like most of us are, I guess. <laughs> I, I like to I like to stay in my solo internet uh, internet cave and uh, hang out and work in there. Um, <laughs> but so so I think that I like I would probably tend to err more on the side of um, not being strong enough with my opinions to um, to clients, and that I, I guess that I really try to. Um, to pose everything as a, rather than um, posing it as a hard and fast opinion, I try to present my my opinions more as options or as like ideas that are are available, and I think that uh, really helps to. Well, it just it it gets the person knowing that I'm I'm on board with what they want to do, and I'm thinking about it and solving, trying to solve problems within that. Or provide solutions that come from my my expertise, but I never if 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 at a certain point the client will say something really like really strongly like no, then that happens. But there have been there have also been occasions where I've said like I've been very straightforward and and like there are certain things that I don't do like I won't negotiate my rate um, and sometimes it'll come down to a decision between doing something one way or another way. And if, if I feel ex exceptionally strong about the, the outcome from one of those options, I'll, I'll voice that opinion. But I think it comes down to that, like uh, having a strong opinion is a good thing, but you need to really, really know when to pick your battles and only really choose the ones that are important. That's right. It's nice to see that, over your experience, you have already gained that personal consulting style that many people yet have to master. Like, I'm totally with you on the delicate side of things. Like, I, I also like to be patient and silent rather than opinionated. But I imagine there are some people who are on the aggressive side and that also can work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I think that the thing about um, being a consultant is that we are going to work with people who suit our personalities we are maybe I should word it this way where if you're for me I work with people that suit my personality and I I think that that's uh one of the signs of being successful as a consultant is that you're working with people that you like so if your personalities match then if you're a strongly opinionated person you're probably working with and and you like working with strongly opinionated people you're probably in a relationship like that it the the dynamics of the relationship the the any professional relationship can change but we've all had we've all had um, we've all had bad clients and and good clients and bad coworkers and good coworkers and my the goal of for me well one of the things that's great about being a consultant is that I I don't have to work with the people that I don't like working with um, <laughs> so so I usually being on the side that's less opinionated um, for me, it's okay because uh, it it ends up 
there's more of a collaboration or middle middle path. Also, I'm Canadian, and it's just kind of in our nature to uh, <laughs> be a little bit more passive. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and that's right. When you go out in the field, it seems that there is such a fierce competition. But once you get further down the road, actually you become aware that there's such a field of work that can only be done by hand and there's just a handful of people who are capable of doing that. And there is no such thing as like a fierce competition, but rather like a very limited supply of that work that you can provide. So it's all about picking the right feet to make it comfortable. And that's just fantastic to be a good consultant like that. Oh yeah. I can talk for hours about how how many how how Well, I could complain about the bar that is set by fellow consultants on on average and how low it is for a long time. But really, I mean, that just means that if if we are we are working and we're doing good work in this field, that it will rise to the top as as good consultants. And it, it's not hard to get referrals and stuff that way. Absolutely. I have found it comes naturally. And of course, marketing helps, but uh, referrals make much stronger impact, just as you mentioned. Okay, so thank you so much for giving away such awesome professional secrets. And um, now I have a few final questions for you. Now, what's the most valuable bulletproof advice you can give to consultants who are listening to us? Oh, man, get referrals. That is bar none the most most important thing for uh, the success of of being a just if you're working by yourself you don't have time for cold calling or sales you need referrals that's it that's the main thing okay oh but I have to question that yourself just doing referrals but uh, it looks like you're pursuing an active path writing a book and doing like public promotion blogging so is that Something a different take on the referral side. Well, so for me, this is uh, this is a different business. This is a different target audience and everything. So, um, and and it's kind of to supplement or, yeah, it's to supplement the the consulting business. The consulting business is client based. I do development and a little bit of project management stuff. Uh, but this is this is me um, trying to help people find the freedom that I found by becoming a freelancer and consultant. So it's just for being for building a little bit authority and uh, building products and not directly related to the stream of client work. Yeah, exactly. The way I think about the product is that, or th- this is that. I've kind of this is the third third product that I've started and it will be the first one that I finish. Uh but the first two were te- were technical books and and for the same reason I stopped writing both of them because I got burnt out. But really what it is is that when with with a with being a successful uh consultant I have the time to work on a product whereas if I was working at a full-time job that's my entire week used up and then if I have extracurricular activities or want to have a work-life balance, I, I have to sacrifice something to, to make sure that I have to make the time to, to work on a product that I would be building. Oh, absolutely. I, had, I heard a very interesting fact about Germany lately. It's about illustrators, not directly related to consultants, but still. They have a regulation 
that allows only allows creative people only to work like 15 hours per week and not more. And I think that's so true. And you actually end up working that many productive hours at all. <laughs> yeah, that's um, my my goal is to work 16 billable hours a week for my clients. And then, oh, so it's very close to yeah. Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so besides the book, what's Matthew Lenner's next big thing? <laughs> besides the book, the book is still on the horizon. I don't, I don't, I can't think beyond that yet. There's still, I mean, I have ideas about what might come after that, but I mean, first the book has to be finished and, and launched. And once that happens, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see how, how it's, uh, accepted and if it's successful well yeah oh how how successful it is i guess should be the 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 way i talk about it not if it's successful oh i'm sure it's gonna be a hit with all your experience and insight they can share it's gonna be amazing i can't wait to get that sample chapter from you yeah well um the sample chapter is available from the website it's uh freelancersfieldguide.com that Jane, the sample chapter Jane's talking about and you can sign up uh, for the email list and you get that the, the sample chapter which is about uh, strategies for finding clients that's right and where else can people find you online uh, I'm also on Twitter at Matthew Pierce and the that's my middle name, and it's spelled a bit weird. It's P-E-A-R-S-E, so Matthew P-E-A-R-S-E. We'll make sure to include that in show notes. Cool. And your website? Oh, uh, yes, well, that too. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> MatthewLaner.net. <laughs> okay, uh, so Matthew, thanks so much for coming today. I think this conversation totally brings so much value to our listeners. I hope you have success with the book and have a fantastic day. <laughs> Thanks, you too, Jane. I think this episode is packed with advice. Here are the actionable takeaways you can apply to your consulting business right now. Charge more. Get referrals. Do networking and develop relationships with people. Once you get into the interview, do a lot of listening first. Don't talk about yourself and the solutions you have in hand. In order to have a successful engagement, you don't have to prove that you can do great work. You should focus on the client and his business goals and make them excited about the ways you could help them reach these goals. And avoid technical details, no one cares about them. You have to be polite and willing to listen first in order not to come off as arrogant and aggressive. But once you have that confidence and collaborative spirit going on, it makes sense to question the task and be more proactive about your suggestions. And the last but not least, successful consulting is about finding the clients that suit your personality and clients who you actually like to work with. Once again, many thanks to Matthew for being with us today. Stay tuned for more interviews like this. Please search iTunes for UI Breakfast or go to uibreakfast.com slash podcast. Or you can sign up for updates at clientonboard.com. This was your host, Jane Portman. You can find me on Twitter at UI Breakfast. Thanks for being with us and have a lovely day.